Hi and welcome to Lessons I Learned in Law with me, Scott Brown, founder of Harriet Brown In-House Legal Recruitment. On each episode of the podcast, you get to hear my conversations with top legal minds as they break down their three key lessons that they've learned working in law. With any luck, you'll be informed, inspired and armed with a bit more knowledge to work your way along your career path. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Peter King. Peter is Legal Director HM Treasury, which is part of the Government Legal Department. The Government Legal Department is an organisation that has an estimated 1,500 lawyers in the UK, so quite the size. Peter also has a slightly uncommon career path in in the in-house aspect of that, given that he previously worked as a partner in corporate law teams at Linklaters, Sherman Sterling and Wild Gottschall. Welcome to the, the podcast, Peter. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Peter's also born and bred in, in Dulwich and proud of that, so lives lives close by to, to myself as well in southeast London. So more to come on, more to come on that. But Peter, if we could just kick off with lesson number one. Yeah, so for me, lesson number one is the, is about the importance of networks. So maybe if I just unpack that a bit. So when I first started as a lawyer, I thought it would be more than enough if I was just really good at my job. Um, And if I was really good at my job, then work would come and I would be fine um, and uh, I would have plenty to do. I I soon realized that was just wrong. Um, And uh, a couple of things really made that clear to me as as my career developed and as I went on through my time at Linklaters. Um, I started when I was fairly young doing some work for some investment bankers and I worked for some junior investment bankers my sort of age and did little things like helping them out with presentations they were making to more senior people, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they became more senior. I still was helping them out. They became more and more senior. I became more and more senior. And uh, uh, eventually they became the source of many millions of pounds of work worth of work many millions um and uh you know that was just a couple of investment bankers and i think probably it was a little bit later on that i realized that if i'd kept up with four investment bankers instead of two (laughs) then my practice would have been even more valuable than it was (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's uh yeah good point but yeah i guess something something that you've you've taken away were you encouraged to do that by the the partners in the firm at that time I think not really. I think um, I think uh, the role of an associate at that stage was very much just to get one's head down and get on with doing the work and and deliver, you know, really good, um, accurate and uh, and you know and helpful work, um, mm-hmm. which I did. Um, and uh, you know, it was always thought that all this marketing stuff was for partners, and we didn't do it. I always thought that was probably wrong, actually, and I thought relationships mattered at all levels. Um, and I still think that actually, I think they do. I think, um, you know, um, the people who I saw being successful were often people who'd kept up, not, not, um, you know, not in any sort of way spending time with people you don't like or, um, uh, you know, trying to exploit friendships, but actually just spending time with, uh, with friends they'd made, you know, at university or through working opposite them on transactions or whatever it might be. Um, and and just developing those relationships, and they they succeeded well because of that. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's good. Resonates a little bit with me when I was a lawyer in in private practice. I think I liked that aspect of what a partner was doing versus the uh, becoming a good lawyer. 
but couldn't really see the career career path um, ahead of me, which is which is kind of what's drawn me towards recruitment. But do you think was there any structure, or in, in your your conversations, was there any any structure in having associates that were more minded to do business development, or call it call it that, or sales or marketing, and splitting splitting it perhaps? Not really, I don't think. I mean, it seems to me that if you're working in private practice, you need to be rounded. You know, you do need to be yeah. extremely good at the law if you're going to succeed. You need to be yeah. able to get the law right. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you need to be the sort of person who can engage with people um, yeah. across a wide range of different people. Um, and, um, you know, I've always worked, when working with, with more junior people, tried to encourage them to, to find their own level, find their own place where they feel happy. You know, some people feel happy spending hours in pubs and things like that. Others others don't. And, you know, yeah. if you're one of those people who doesn't, find something else that you like doing with people, you know. Yes. Find, it, find your own way of doing it. Yeah. No, good. That's good advice. Um, and today, how do you view networking today in this in this era with it's, it's, linkedin and other other sources i mean you know i i do use linkedin and other sources to keep up with people um mm-hmm. uh, and uh you know i have a pretty wide network now which actually extends around the world particularly because of the sort of work i used to do mm-hmm. in my previous job um i have actually found interestingly that it's quite important and part of my role in, in government is actually to have a very good network to to get on very well with my fellow legal directors in other departments across Whitehall, um, to you know to know other civil servants across the whole of um, the Treasury and other departments, and to be able to to uh, to to use those relationships to to get things done. Right. As as an in-house lawyer now, do you find having worked in a partnership? has been good for that yes it is it's interesting um you know the government legal department's a unique organization you know it's it's basically the the organization which covers most of the lawyers who work in government there are a few who work outside the government legal department biggest group of those being the ones who work for hmrc um but but um uh, it, 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 it is a bit like a partnership in the sense that um, there, are, there are a lot of us who have the sort of general counsel type role that I have in different departments, but we, we relate to each other and, and the way we relate to each other is much the same way as you relate to partners in, you know, your partners in a law firm. You have different skills, different areas of responsibility and you, um, and you, you work together a lot. On to lesson two, if you could tell us, tell us about that, please. Okay, so lesson two is um, a bit more negative, I suppose. It's about learning to say no. Um, uh, and again, I, you know, I come back to um, the way that lawyers naturally behave. I think, I think if you're a lawyer, you, you naturally say yes to things. You don't want to say no to a client. Mm-hmm. You certainly don't want to say no if someone's offering you some work that might actually pay the firm some money. So you develop a habit of saying yes to everything. Um, And uh, that, I think, also spills over into your private life. At least my wife would say it spills over into your private life. (laughs) (laughs) She complains I never say no to anything. Um, uh, And, uh, and, um, you know, sometimes it is the right thing to do to say no, because, you know, you could be committing your own resources, your own energy, your your own time, um, or indeed the resources of other people, the resources of the firm, 
the resources of your department, whatever it might be, to something that really isn't worthwhile, uh, that really doesn't get you anywhere, that really, you know, either doesn't pay or, um, uh, you know, is with a client who's going to cause you more trouble than they're worth. Um, uh, and, and you have to learn how to say no. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a thing about limitations as well. I mean, when I, I, I learned this the hard way, I have to say, you know, I, 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 very early on, I did one of those transactions where, you know, I was working a hundred hours a week or whatever. And, um, uh, fine. We got near the end of the transaction. Actually, we got to Easter. It was Easter. And the partner in charge of the transaction said, look, we've all been working terribly hard. We are going to have Easter off. Uh, we're going to have e- we're not working over Easter, which I was very pleased about. Um, yeah. uh, and so, you know, I went home and I was ill. I was ill for about a week. Um, and uh, that was the release of the stress of all that time. Uh, and I realized I had limitations. I just was not able to work at that sort of intensity forever and ever and ever. So, again, you know, learning to say, actually, I've reached my limit. I can't do any more. Yeah. Was there a point in your career where you felt confident or, or comfortable to say no? Pretty soon after that, actually. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I knew, I knew if I was getting to that stage again, I knew what the result would be. And I knew, you know, I was felt confident enough. And actually, I was supported enough by people around me that, that I was able to, able to say that. And, you know, if there's a lesson in leadership here for me, which is that, you know, you need to create the sort of culture around you where where people can say look i'm at my i'm at, I'm at my limits i can't go any further mm-hmm. i suppose you might have junior lawyers listening that would, in, in in city practices that might think it's all all well saying that but actually when when you're on a transaction and being asked to do all hours under the sun i know it's i know it's still fairly common and has been during lockdown mm. what advice would you have for them in in pushing back to managers I mean, I would advise you to be honest, to be honestly, to be honest. That's the, the key thing. Um, uh, I think it is important. And you obviously don't want to pull that trigger, you know, unnecessarily or, or too often. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, if you are reaching your limit, then please say so. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because, um, uh, you know, there are things that can be done. And, and actually, you know, most people, most partners in law firms are not ogres. Um, mm-hmm. If they hear this and they know it's genuine, then they will they will do something about it. They may well say, actually, we need to take you off this and put someone else on it, or we need to bring in more resource or whatever it might be. But actually, uh, and this is going to spill over into the third lesson, which we'll come on to in a moment. But, um, you know, if you know, then you can do something. Good point. Yeah, I think having that having that trusting relationship. Do you see it career limiting? I I, I suppose that's yeah. where people think it's if I say no to something, I'm I'm, I'm limiting I'm limiting myself. Well, what people think of me. Yeah, I mean, again, I would. Uh, I'm not sure it is career limiting actually. Um, mm. uh, uh, you know, I think if you're doing really good work and you're producing really excellent results with clients um, and uh, you say actually I can't do any more of this um, mm. uh, no one is going to is going to, uh, to hold that against you at least I wouldn't um, I do know there are people who would uh, and mm. I do know there will people who say you know you're not up to it if, if you can't take this sort of pace um, I don't think that's the way the prevailing climate is going at the moment in law firms I'm pleased to say 
Yes, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's a lot more awareness around mental health and, and issues around that, yeah. thankfully. Great, so, so moving on to yourself personally, um, Peter, how many years as a partner in, in private practice? Well, so I became a partner in Linklaters in 1990, um, right. and I stopped being a partner in while in 2017, so you wow. can add that up, 37 yeah. years, I think. What's kept you in the profession for, for that long? Well, I mean, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I really like the work. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I've never had a period where I thought I really hate this and I can't do this anymore. Um, yeah. And connected with that is is something which is a which is a bit unusual, uh, which I've talked about before publicly. Which is that um, you know I feel I have a vocation um, to do this. Um, uh, I'm a committed Christian. It's something that that something that uh, means a lot to me, um, and uh, I believe. God has called me to be a lawyer um, in the same way as he calls some people to be a vicar or some people to be, um, you know, a nurse or a doctor. Um, yeah. Not many people think about the law in that sense, but I do feel that, you know, and I feel that, um, you know, the the values that go with uh, being a lawyer, the values of integrity and truth and so on are, are, are very close to the values that I hold dear as a Christian. When did you feel this? When did you decide that law was the the right career for you? Oh, I can tell you that. I can remember it very well. Um, I was at university um, and uh, I actually switched. I did French and German for my first year at university and right. switched over to law, which was something that was allowed at the university I went to. Um, and uh, if you did that, you had to go come up and do some extra law lectures. So you sort of got into it because you joined the lawyers in their second year when they'd already been doing some law. So yeah. I came up in the summer, did some did some uh, uh, law lectures. And I think about on the second day of the law lectures, I thought, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's not often, not often you hear <laughs> the, that. The light bulb uh, that went click. on, you know. Yeah, that is good to good to hear. And then being committed to it. the French and German, did you keep did you keep up languages? Yeah, or? I did, and I was very fortunate. You know, I had a chance. I've had chances all the way through my career, particularly actually after I became a partner to to work with. Uh, with clients from those two countries and I spent about um, 18 months living in Frankfurt for Linklaters um, oh, great. just after they'd done their big merger with a German law firm um, right uh, how did you enjoy that uh, well Frankfurt itself is not my favorite city in the world but I you know I'm actually there's a lot in Germany which is very very nice and it's a great place to be um, and uh, I really enjoyed um being involved with the people there and uh, and helping them to become, if you like, more part of the Linklater's family and, and and integrate with what we were doing worldwide. A point of interest for me, obviously, is the the, the move then to in an in-house role with HM Treasury. How did that come about? Well, I reached a point in my career at while where you know I really had two choices. I could either carry on for a few years and then retire, yeah, or I could do something else. And uh, I thought the only way I'm going to find out if there is anything else out there I can do is by trying a few things. I did try a few things. Um, This job came up and to be honest, I thought I had absolutely no chance of getting it uh, because I knew that um, uh, government, senior legal jobs in government tend to go to government lawyers, you know, who've done it all their lives. Um, So I had a word with the headhunters who were doing Uh it, you know, 
bit like your profession, but you know, yes. Uh, and I said, you know, is there any point in me applying? And they were actually very discouraging. They said, well, normally these jobs go to senior government lawyers, but you can apply if you like. Right. <laughs> so I, I put my application in, and to cut a long story short, here I am. Um, yeah. And it's Odd. it's been absolutely fascinating. It's a really interesting job. Um, you know, you see the inside of government in a way that 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 um, gives you real insight into the way in which um, uh, things work. And, you know, you see the good and the bad, you see everything. Um, and it's, uh, it's a really fascinating role. Um, and I work with some great people as well, you know, um, with some uh, really talented lawyers and some really talented civil servants as well. Fantastic. Odds stacked against you. I, I think um, partners that, that come to us looking to make a move at, at that stage is a... It is a challenge. So, yeah, it, great. Um, yeah, I, I think I was very fortunate, actually, Scott. And, mm. you know, I do think, you know, I do talk to quite a number, I'm sure you do too, to quite a number of partners who are thinking about making this sort of move towards the end of their careers. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, there are lots of people who've done it, but there are an equally large number of people who've never found the thing that they can move into and, uh, you know, have, yeah. have just gone off into the sunset. to the lessons lesson number three if you could walk us through that okay so lesson number three is a bit more about leadership it's about recognizing the signs of stress in others um and and again i realized this through some bad experiences as well as some good experiences um you know i i i worked a lot with with junior associates you know throughout my career as a partner you know they would say things to me like it's all fine i've got it all under control I'm working on it. I'll get it done. Don't worry. And then I would notice that they were still in the office at 11 o'clock or whatever it might be. Um, and I'd say things like, are you okay? You know, is it okay? Are you under control? You know, are you getting enough sleep? Those sorts of things. And they'd say, yes, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. Um, and then, and then, you know, I would realize it actually wasn't fine. Um, and, uh, you know, I've realized afterwards that without really trying to do it, I've actually pushed that person far too hard. And, um, you know, I've spent some time and actually talked to friends who are in the in in professions where they know about these things, you know, learning to recognize when things are going wrong for somebody when they when they are reaching that that point of stress, which they're not going to come back from. Yeah. Did you having been in that position as a as an associate, did you recognize any of the warning signs from your from yourself? Yeah, I did. I think I mean, the. Uh, you know, there, there's that sort of spiral you get into where, um, you know, you're, you're, you've got a lot to do, but actually each step is taking you longer and longer and longer. You're not able to work at the level of efficiency that you you feel you should be. You know, I was certainly aware of that in myself. And, I, you know, when I knew that was happening, I would actually go home, have some sleep, come back, you know, even come back at seven o'clock in the morning or something really early in the morning and do the thing and discover that the thing that was, you know, taking me ages and ages and ages at eight o'clock at night, I could do in half an hour at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, it's little things like that that made a huge amount of difference to me. And, you know, I try to help um, others to see the same thing. You know, sometimes that 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 working all night on something is not the way to do it. Actually, the best thing to do is to leave it, go away, come back, and it will take far less time. Mm. 
And I guess it goes full circle from lesson lesson two, where you've been in that position of not saying no, recognizing there's people that are in your team that don't like to say no or don't have the natural the natural tendency to say no. Law firms uh, or or professionals in 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 large corporates like that that get to management positions. My opinion is they should really remember what it was like to be in that position. Um, yeah, and 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 sometimes, and you know, people work in different ways as well, don't they? So you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, again, there's that sort of morning evening thing. I, I work very well in the mornings. My best work is always done in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are much more the other way around. I had a an associate once who's who's gone on to great things, done very well, and she, you know, she actually came into the office generally about 12 and she worked you know very very late into the evening really good at what she did you know did brilliant work actually worked a lot with the u.s because it sort of worked for her right <laughs> um <laughs> uh, but but you know getting her to do any work at all between before about um 12 in the in 12 o'clock and you know in the morning 12 noon right. was was almost impossible right <laughs> Well, find the rhythm. Yeah, um, and and what uh, this this last year with everything being remote and and virtual, do you think that has any any impact on that lesson or to be able to see that? Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of issues um, which we could spend a long while talking about. I mean, um, boundaries has been a really important issue for for me, um, and and certainly in the team. Um, you know, I'm fortunate. Um, I can, I can close the door of the room where I work and not go into it again, and yeah. and you know feel that there is a barrier, if you like, between my work life and my home life. Yeah. Other people can't do that so easily. They work in their sitting rooms or their kitchens or whatever it is. And uh, you know, I've been spending quite a bit of time encouraging people to have proper boundaries. Uh, yes. you know, to say, right, I've stopped for the day. I'm not doing any more. I'm not looking at the computer. I'm not turning it on. Yeah, no, sounds sounds a good way to go. And what's next? And what can you tell us about the team at HM Treasury and and the government legal department and working there? So, what's next? I mean, we we have a we have a very demanding program of work. The government has a big program. Most of that program involves some work on the law, whether it's changing the law or setting in place legal frameworks or whatever it might be. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of legal advice needed. We're recruiting, you know, as a as a department. The government legal yeah. department is recruiting all the time at all levels. Um, we definitely need more people. That's important for us, and uh, you know, it's something that we're we're very keen on getting the best people. And uh, you know, we we will have a lot of challenging work for many years to come. Yes, no, absolutely. I'll um, I'll share the link to the the careers page on the on the bio. Yeah, thank um, you for anyone that might be interested. And I'm you know I'm personally very happy to talk to anybody who's interested in a career in in uh, in the government legal department and I'd tell them a bit more about it. I'll share your LinkedIn profile. Mm. Uh, you'll be inundated, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but um, but thanks so much, Peter, for for joining me today. It's been been great to hear about your lessons and appreciate you taking the time and talking to me no problem at all nice to talk to you scott and thank you for listening to lessons i learned in law for more information on all of our guests head over to harrietbrown.com forward slash podcasts 
We'd love to hear from you and hear your recommendations of people that you'd like to hear on Series 2. So please feel free to drop us a line on hello at herriotbrown.com or drop me a message on LinkedIn. I'm Scott Brown. Thank you for listening. 